Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're in the extra time! Kia ora and welcome to RNZ's Extra Time. I'm Bridget Tunnicliffe. 2021 was being touted as being the golden year for women's rugby, but now the World Cup in New Zealand is to be postponed. Devastated, I guess, to put it in, in one word. Can the world champion Silver Ferns win the Constellation Cup this weekend for the first time in nine years, after letting the Aussies back in to level up the four-game series one all? I know this sounds terrible, but we're actually still quite confident. And Israel Adesunya bids to join an exclusive UFC club in Las Vegas this weekend. We preview his title fight on Sunday. Twenty twenty one was touted as being the golden year for women's rugby, but now World Rugby's recommended postponing the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand until next year. Matches for the September tournament were due to be played in Auckland and Whangarei, but tournament organisers say they simply couldn't deliver the tournament the way they wanted because of COVID nineteen. And New Zealand Rugby and the government support the decision to postpone the event until next year. The decision, though, blindsided Black Ferns captain Eloise Blackwell. If I'm speaking truly honestly, it, it did come as a bit of a shock um, when I saw the email come through from our management. And um, I'm currently in Auckland, so I'm in a lockdown. So I just finished my run with um, my flatmate, Alicia, who's also in the team. And, you know, we, we would, we'd just been um, sprinting up a hill and, you know, just caught our breath and then managed to open up the email. You know, we were pretty devastated, I guess, to put it in in one word, but, you know, essentially nothing really changes. I was upset for a couple of hours, but um, now, you know, same goal, same grind. That's Black Ferns captain Eloise Blackwell. I'm joined now by Wellington representative player and commentator Alice Soper and RNZ's rugby reporter Joe Porter. Alice, Eloise is putting on a brave face, but how much of a blow is this to the women's game, the postponement of the World Cup? Okay, well, first of all, can we talk about how ridiculous it is that a, a, a Blackfern captain is finding out about the delay of a marquee tournament via an email? Like, yeah. there's nobody picking up the phone to talk to a Blackfern captain? Are you telling me that they would let Bowden Barrett uh, receive an email? And Well, we're talking about receiving emails. I'm yet to receive one from the marketing team, signed up a couple of weeks ago for updates around ticket sales, have not received a single email uh, regarding this postponement, but they did make sure to send me an email about the World Cup in 2023. Like, what a joke. Mm. Um, but look, to anyone who's been uh, paying attention, this will come at no surprise at this point, because there can only be so many scenarios that we're playing out, and those of us with interest in the games have been working through them, debating the pros and cons. We still had three qualifiers that were needing to be played within six months before a um, tournament was going to be kicked off. And so, you know, we've been working through this. We've been having this conversation as fans. But where's that discussion as, uh, you know, those that, that are in charge? They're getting paid to do this. I mean, and there's been a total vacuum of information. At this point, I don't know if the uncertainty is COVID or the uncertainty is that whether or not I trust that rugby's commitment to the women's game, because quite frankly, I don't. 
Okay, Joe. so communication might not be the best, but given the COVID-19 environment, uh, being a sports administrator now might be a bit of a nightmare. Do you think postponement is the sensible option? Look, I guess if you're breaking it down into simple things like, you know, the safety of the country and, and COVID outbreaks and making sure we keep them under control and, and being able to host a fully attended, exciting showpiece event that gives the Black Ferns the stage that they really deserve – it probably is the best decision to postpone it. However, I'm very, I'm not happy with the language that's been used by NZR. The fact that it was only communicated to Aloise Blackwell the morning that it happened, um, us and the media found out about it first before any of the players is absolutely ludicrous. Like Alice has mentioned, there's no way Bowden Barrett gets told at the last minute or finds out through a media alert on his phone. They would have been in consultation with the All Blacks players and the Players Association for a long time before making such a decision. However, it seems the Black Ferns were left completely out in the cold. Um, and it seems like they've sort of coming up with player safety, player welfare being paramount here and being the major reason behind it. No, it's not the major reason. The major reason is because you can't fill the stadiums, which you wanted to do. You wanted to have crowds and you wanted to get some money back. And you also wanted to have a big event. But not only that, some qualifiers haven't happened, as Alice has mentioned. And the problem being that New Zealand Rugby and World Rugby didn't have a backup plan. There's no plan B. There's no games now set up for the Black Ferns already to go to and to continue their preparation heading next year towards the, defending their World Cup title. It's all just sort of been like, oh, look, let's just put, it's all, we'll put it in the too hard basket, essentially, isn't it? It's all been just chucked in the too hard basket. Whereas you wonder if it was the Men's World Cup to be held in New Zealand in September or October, they would have moved heaven and earth alongside the government to try and get this thing over the line and made all sorts of different COVID plan A, B, C, D and Fs before coming to this very last, you know, the last decision to postpone it. Whereas in this women's case, it seems like as soon as a few hurdles have been encountered, bang, and no plan B. And, that, and that's what we've already seen. Like, we've already seen them moving heaven and earth for the uh, rugby championship that was then restructured into yep. the tri And the All Blacks will play the this year. Right now. They'll play July this, when Italy yeah, come and, over. And, and they'll make sure that Italy can get quarantined and can get out and can train and do what they need to do. They'll pay for it. They'll help get government's assistance to do that. But they haven't even suggested they're willing to do anything like that for the Blackfins yet. And that's what I hate, is this complete radio silence. As soon as it goes, oh, it's just, sorry. And it just seems like they, they, that commitment that they talk about to the women's game is really only symbolic and nothing else. And this thing around player welfare, can we talk on that for a minute? Because this is not COVID that's impacting player welfare. It's the fact that it's a sport that's happy to ask amateurs to act like professionals yeah. without any of the security of a paycheck. Because, yes, a tournament was going to limp along. Yeah, if it had don't get me wrong. I think September. the tournament should have been postponed. I just don't like the communication around it and the fact there's no, no fallback plan or anything. And there's been no consultation with players or, or the Players Association. Yeah, well, like, like I was saying, many of the participation nations have not played proper rugby in a while. But that's mm. not news. Um, you know, it's the Black Ferns. There's a reason that the Black Ferns have been so dominant in world rugby for a long time. Because forget tier one and tier two. In women's rugby, it's tier one and tier none. Because there are a lot of teams that just have no competitions to be playing in. We've had, uh, you know, Canada doesn't have a nationwide competition for their women. The um, U.S., Wales, Ireland have all struggled to be playing uh, domestic competitions and they're supposed to be getting ready for qualifying tournaments. Fiji, when was the last time they got to play? They have qualified. Samoa, what's the question mark? What's going on with them? There are so many opportunities. We now have a World Cup-shaped hole in our calendar collectively. So what are 
all of the governing bodies doing about filling it? Because it's not good enough to just leave a vacuum. We have to look at a point of investment. I mean, you look at the numbers. Do not talk to me and say to me that men's rugby makes more money than women's rugby. You do not invest in women's rugby. You look at the, the, the money that they pour into the men's programs, what they are paying per view for each pair of those eyeballs to watch their games. Show me the numbers in relation to women's rugby, because one is giving you a much higher return on investment, and it's not the oversaturated male market. Alice, four years of hard work, extend that to five. Were there New Zealand players who were were intending to retire after October this year? Will another year make it too hard for some? Absolutely. I mean, look, I was at training on the Wednesday night with my mate, Jackie Patia-Ferretti, OK? She's been <laughs> had the worst run of injuries as a player. She's been um, grinding back from a shoulder surgery she had at the end of last year. She's the captain of the uh, uh, the Wellington Pride team. She's a year older than me. She's 33. She's now looking at this. And let's also be clear, too, we talk about postponement. We don't have a date. Yeah. We don't know when it is next year. And that's another so, thing that's shocking, how much uncertainty leaves to these players that are most largely aren't fully professional, not having a date to even look forward to. They can't yeah. tell their bosses. They can't even think about telling their family. There's so much uncertainty around them trying to plan for it that they need a lock and a date ASAP. Yeah, so Jackie, she's there. She's going, OK, can I keep my body going at top flight for another 18 months? Because it could be 18 months. It actually could be longer than that. And so is that realistic for her to keep asking her family to make all the sacrifices that they do? They have a beautiful family unit that all get around her to enable her to be able to push for her rugby dreams. But can they continue to keep that sustainable? Not to mention, you know, I have a friend of mine uh, over in Wales who who's around the same age as well. She's a midwife. She's a mum. And she's not paid. So how does she keep herself going in this, in mm. this madness and, and keep pushing that out? So this is the mental welfare as well I'm really concerned about. When people are going in and out of lockdown, which is tough enough in and of itself, and they're not having any work, you know, date to look for, and then there's, you know, the fact that there's a number of sevens girls that were excited about putting their hands up to both. A number of them had already said they want to make themselves available. Well, you look at the overcrowded uh, calendar next year, and that's even less, you know, possible yeah. because you've got your Commonwealth Games. You're probably going to have Olympics there too, let's be real, although there's more money involved, so perhaps not. Uh, and you're going to have the World Cup for sevens as well. Well, that's why the probable date that they're looking at is November next year. That's the most probable date so you don't have a clash with the World Cup sevens, which is in September. Well, how oh, that's such a long time, and that's going to be so hot up in Whangarei as well. Can we talk about that? I wouldn't want to be packing a scrum down in that type of sweat, but that's just me. It's all on for the Constellation Cup after the Australian Diamonds levelled the series with an impressive win over the Silver Ferns on Wednesday night. The series will be decided this weekend with back-to-back games in Christchurch. Joining me to discuss the series so far is locker room Suzanne McFadden, Stuff's Brendan Egan and former Silver Fern and international umpire Joan Hodson. Brendan, you've been at the first two games. The contrast between the first two tests was pretty stark, but not having Amelia and Ignacio for that second test, it just made a huge difference, didn't it? Oh, it was a massive, massive difference. As, as soon as, um, you know, the other day we were hearing about Ignacio being out, I immediately thought, you know, this is a huge chance for Australia to get back in the series, and that's the way it played out, you know. She's such a uh, influential player in the attack end, and uh, the Ferns absolutely missed her on, uh, you know, on Wednesday night. Suzanne, Australia just seem to have an uncanny ability to keep replenishing their stocks. The performances of Cara Conan have been impressive. One of the highlights of this series, I think, is seeing the depth of netball that's coming out of Australia. I know a lot of New Zealand fans are going to 
uh, raise your eyebrows at that. But, you know, it's great for international netball to see, you know, Australia lose players, but they have this wealth of players to call on in that country. And um, Kara Conan is going to be a star of this game. I'm just so excited to see her play and see that there are more shooters than just uh, Caitlin Bassett in Australia. It's, uh, Kira Austin also has played really well. The Australians obviously have a lot of height on us, and that's telling at the moment. But as Brendan said, you know, Amelia Ann Ekanasio is a playmaker, and New Zealand definitely need her back in the next two tests. That's right. I do feel a bit for Caitlin Bassett after a difficult 2020. This was meant to be her opportunity to stamp her mark again. Uh, the Silver Ferns coach, Dame Nolan Totoa, after that second test, says her side need to be stronger mentally if they want to beat Australia on a regular basis. There's a mental shift that we are struggling with at the moment, but it also puts the emphasis that we have to start well and, you know, synonymous with past experiences. When we do win the first quarter, we actually are able to take it through. So consistent performance is something that has eluded us. Joan, uh, they are really missing Laura Langman, aren't they? I mean, the last series, the two sides met, they had Langman, Maria Folau, Katrina Rore. It's going to take a bit of time for them to get over that, I guess. I think they got over it pretty well, especially in the first test. They showed that yeah, as much as those players aren't there anymore, they were able to... Uh, stamped their mark in it, and I thought Claire Kirsten was amazing. Um, so, yeah, as much as, yeah, you do miss that, I think they showed in the first test that they've, you know, got things under control. The series also marks the start of Stacey Marinkovic's tenure as Australian Diamonds coach. She's come under a bit of criticism in Australia before she's barely got underway. Her predecessor, Lisa Alexander, told the ABC's Offsiders program she didn't like Stacey's decision to hold off naming a captain. I don't like the idea of trialling captaincies in what is absolutely a fantastic test series. It is world number one and world number two. It's got a lot of history. It really needs some serious uh, work and effort. It's not a trial situation. After Australia's opening loss to the Ferns, former Australian captain Liz Ellis and shooter Catherine Cox told Channel 9's Wide World of Sports that a captain should have been named thought that there was going to be an Australian captain named. It's, it would make sense at the start of a new era with a new coach. Do you stick with Caitlin Bassett? Do you move to a new captain? She felt that she wanted to rotate the leadership. I feel like that's the wrong thing to do. As a former Australian captain, I want a leader named because I felt like tonight there was nobody really to stand up and rally the troops, especially when Caitlin Bassett went off. So there's players who are out there trying to prove that they should be leaders. That's terrific. But that probably is a reflection of the fact that that's how Stacey Marinkovic operates. I think she sits back and will take her time, whatever time she feels she needs to make the right decision, regardless of what people like myself or Catherine say. They don't hold back over there, do they? Um, Brendan, you asked Stacey Marinkovic about that after Game 2, I think it was, but she didn't seem too bothered by it, which is probably a good way to be. I mean, she, she makes some good points. I mean, she obviously stands by the decision. And, you know, the, the Australian team, they have had such limited time together. Um, they haven't had much time, you know, as a squad. And then, obviously, they've been in, uh, you know, managed isolation for 14 days. So she definitely made some good points and, uh, you know, justify the decision. I, I sort of concur with what Liz Ellis and, and some of these other people have said. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a traditionalist and I think that um, Australia should have come out. And Liz Watson screams to me as the future Australian captain. You know, she's 26 years old. 
She's the best one in tackling world netball. She commands a starting spot. I think Australia should have made her the captain. I mean, and, and she did a fantastic job the other night. And uh, my prediction is, you know, Liz Watson will be eventually named Diamonds captain. Suzanne, have you been impressed with Maya Wilson? I mean, on that second test, she suddenly found herself as the starting senior shooter and she scored 32 of the side's 36 goals, more than Conan, who, you know, was the MVP from that game. So she's stood up well so far. She did. She definitely did. I mean, even in the first game, um, she took a while to get into it, but, you know, 78% success. Um, I was hoping she'd lift it up into the 80s for the second game, and she did. Um, you know, she's still so young, but she's got a lot of experience behind her now. And it was really good to see her being able to take on that senior role in the shooting circle. Um, it was also great to see Bailey Mears back out there. I mean, that was her first game in a year. And um, her court play, her vision was fantastic. Obviously, she hasn't yet got the confidence to put up the shots, but she she did her job um, out there and so good to see her back. I mean, you know, we really need experienced players like her in the side right now. Brendan, we get Amelia Ran back this weekend. The Ferns get a couple of days to uh, study Cara Conan. Do you think we could be on for a couple of classic nail-biters this weekend? I still think Australia's in the driver's seat in the series. I mean, they're going to take a lot of confidence from the other, the other night. You know, they've, they've looked like they've you know, established some combinations there. And New Zealand's probably going to have to win one of those games and, and win it by sort of a, a decent margin. So, uh, you know, if they're going to give me their Constellation Cup, which they haven't um, had since... 2012, you know, if it's two war, it's going to come down to goal percentage and, you know, Australia's sort of slightly hit on that front. So it's going to take something special for the fans. But, um, yes, there should, uh, should be some good close people this weekend. Joan, can the Silver Ferns do it? Can they finally get that their, their hands on that cup after so many years of trying? Well, I freaking hope so. Um, you know, just looking at the umpiring, I think that was the huge difference of um, the second test, and that's where it came down to Josh Bowring, um, you know, and the Aussies were used to his his umpiring and also, you know, his interpretation of the rules. And I think that he made the difference in terms of how the Silver Ferns went. Also, you know, they started really badly and they did some really unforced errors at the start. But, yeah, once they got onto the way that Josh allows, you know, certain different bits of contesting, um, that kind of stuff, I thought that, that you know, it was... It was neat, actually, to have him allow that to happen because in the first test, it was pretty much a New Zealand style of umpiring. Um, So that took the Aussies a wee bit to get into. Um, However, you know, like with Josh back in and doing it with Gareth, I thought the two, you know, really complemented each other. Suzanne, do you have a preference for that defensive end? Do you think maybe Sulu Fitzpatrick might be better up against Conan at goalkeep? Yeah, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. And I've been quite impressed with uh, the way that Jane Watson's been playing out at goal defence too. Um, you know, they've got very limited options in this series. Uh, but I also think that Sulu stepped up um, in the second game. I still think whoever wins the first quarter um, in tomorrow's test will probably win the game. And you know, New Zealand really have to improve the way that they start. And they're, they're very aware of that, obviously. But, um, you know, having that confidence from the get-go um, could be the decider.
The reigning New Zealand Sportsman of the Year bids to add his name to an exclusive list this weekend. Currently the reigning UFC middleweight world champion, mixed martial arts star Israel Adesanya will challenge Poland's Jan Bohovich for the organisation's light heavyweight belt. The Nigerian-born Kiwi is joined at UFC 259 in Las Vegas by two teammates with eighth-ranked flyweight Kai Carter-France in action and the highly touted Carlos Yulberg making his UFC debut. Mike Angover is a member of Adesanya's coaching team at City Kickboxing and he told Clay Wilson victory on Sunday would be huge for the 31-year-old's career. You know, he, he's an undisputed UFC middleweight champion. To become a two-weight champion is remarkable. There's very few people who've done it. And uh, to do so by beating a standing champion, also remarkable. It's not like he's uh, fighting for a vacant title. You know, so if he manages to pull this off over Blahovic, remembering Blahovic is a very, very dangerous opponent. This is both historic and remarkable. There's been so much discussion about the difference in moving up a weight class. What has Israel's approach to that been? Look, I mean, his approach has been what he's, what he's brought out um, in the public arena. He's not putting on a lot of weight. He's not weight cutting. Um, he will walk in at, um, at or around the, the 205-pound limit, you know, which is relatively close to his walk-around weight in any case. You know, so he's just fighting at, at basically uh, fairly close to his natural weight. You know, you, you utilise the tools that you've got, uh, which is speed, which is accuracy, uh, which is mobility. You know, we, we have seen people come up and wait across boxing and kickboxing before very effectively. Floyd Mayweather, one of them, Manny Pacquiao, another one, Evander Holyfield, another one. You know, Holyfield never fought much above 95, 96 kilos. So, you know, there is a balance, and a lot of that balance, um, is made up by speed and skills over sheer bulk and brutality. You're touching on this a bit there, but aside from the, the weight and the size difference there's going to be, what are the key differences between Israel and Yarn, and how do you expect Israel to go about it in the octagon? Israel obviously will have a speed advantage. Um, he will want to maintain uh, distance and, and dictate the, the range and the pace of that fight. You know, it's a 25-foot cage, not a 30-foot cage. So that very much favours Jan. Jan will want to get it into a clinch. He punches well out of the break. So, you know, he, he has fight-ending power. Um, he's very heavy on top in terms of his top game. So if he managed to get Israel on the ground, that's something that, uh, you know, would be a real challenge for Israel, particularly with the weight disparity. The key thing about Blahovic is he's patient. You know, with his power, he only needs to land one decent shot over the, over the space of 25 minutes, and that can change the course of a round. So I guess in me summarising his strengths, you can get an idea that the coaching team is very, very familiar with what, he's do- what he does, and in no way is he being underestimated, just simply because, you know, he's supposedly a little bit slower. You touched on this a bit also. Uh, it's very rare in UFC history for this to be achieved, someone holding two belts at the same time. How big would it be for Israel particularly to achieve this, and what does it ultimately mean? Oh, it's massive. It's a handful of people who have accomplished that. I think there is greater kudos in going up in weight because that very much is a, is a skills versus bulk and brute power. So 
think that's a, it's an incredible achievement um, if, if he's able to pull it off. Mike Angove talking to Clay Wilson. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. My thanks to Joan Hodson, Suzanne McFadden, Brendan Egan, Alice Soper and Joe Porter. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would, that helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Bridget Tunnycliffe, Haidera. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.